Frank's Red Hot is the perfect blend of flavor and heat. So you can use an entire bottle to make recipes like buffalo chicken dip or buffalo nachos. Or even things that don't start with buffalo. Frank's Red Hot. I put that on everything. Craig! Bonton, come back. Any coog should see there was something in the way you ran the offense. Bonton, come back. You can blame it all on the fans. Shot, shot selection be damned. Wazoo can't live without you. No. No, they cannot. Nobody, I don't ever, 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 ever want to hear anyone complain about his shot selection ever again. That's like off limits from here until forever. Yeah, it seems to be. Ha- it's very clear now, and we, we had we've alluded to this before. That <laughs> yeah, like we like speculated, going to take the shots, and they they, they just struggle so hard to find yeah. open looks. I mean, we speculated earlier in the year. We were like, okay, we're pretty sure that the reason why he's got so much latitude to shoot pretty much any time he wants is because like nobody else can. Well, you know. Sure enough, <laughs> nobody else can. Uh, it's hard to describe how putrid the shooting has been in these three games without him. Um, but we'll try. We'll try to describe it. Yeah, we'll try here on Podcast versus Everyone. I'm Craig Powers. With me, as always, is Jeff Newser. Yo. Jeff, how are you doing today? I'm good. I was just telling you, uh, I, I uh, just got back from... Uh, Camp Good Times. So Camp Good Times is uh, one of the cancer camps that, that we've been affiliated with, with my son who's a cancer survivor. Um, and so they do a, a weekend retreat where one of the parents gets to take uh, one of the kids for a weekend out at Camp Burton out on Vashon Island and basically get like a compressed uh, Camp Good Times experience. And uh, it was fantastic and we had a great time. It was it was me and my son Tristan, the, the cancer survivor. Some other parents elected to bring like siblings and so... Um, but I, it was me and Tristan and it was wonderful. I had a great time. I ate a lot of good food camp. Their camp food there is awesome, which is super cool. And then, uh, and then I had to come back to real life today and go back to work, which totally blows. If anybody's ever been to camp, you know what I'm talking about. So other than that though, I'm all right. I got beer. So, you know, can't be all bad. Yeah. Um, I got, a. I, I spent Sunday, part of Sunday on an Island as well. I did the chilly hilly ride yes you did while i was having my third grilled cheese sandwich you were chilly hillian yep it's a pretty cool ride um you take the ferry over from seattle and with your bike and then you just get off the bike and go straight into the ride basically that's that's what it is and then uh you go around the island uh you know it's a fairly hilly island as most islands are um and then uh yeah you eat chili at the end you know the weather was supposed to be awful um, when we woke, when we got up, uh, Amanda's dad went out and loaded the bikes in his truck and, uh, he came back covered in hail, um, in the morning. So we're <laughs> like, this is not going to be good, but actually it was stayed partly sunny through most of it. Like we, there was like rain for maybe 10 minutes. And then there was like one part where the wind was in our face, but that was on a flattish part. So all in all, um, I'm pretty proud of myself. You know, like it's it's supposed to be the first ride of the of the season, the cycling season, because like a lot of people at this point obviously haven't been, at least on on the western part of the state, haven't been 
out on the road very much because it rains all the time. It's not very much fun to <laughs> ride like, in the rain. Why? That would be great riding yeah. around in the rain all day. So yeah, and then so you you start right off with this uh, you know really uh, basically uh, twenty one hundred feet of elevation climb over uh, th- uh, thirty three miles. So um, I I was proud of myself. I um, probably do a lot to what my run training I've been doing. I was able to uh, climb all the hills without stopping and and get walking. A lot of people were doing that. It's a pretty common sight because uh, there's some pretty brutal hills. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was that was pretty fun. Um, I mean, as fun as uh, I mean, it was fun because I didn't get because I thought I was gonna be soaking wet, and I wasn't. And uh, yeah, ate it some turned chili. out to not be too bad on on Sunday. So yeah, yeah, like yeah, once after the uh, the early morning stuff. Yeah, we were watching it. There, it was actually a pretty lighter crowd, I guess, than usual from talking to other people that have been there, um, because the weather reports were so bad. Um, that people just backed off and, yeah. uh, um, but it turned out to be like actually pretty damn good weather, about as good as you can expect uh, in February, but um, more yeah. chilly for you. Yeah. Well, it was did still you get chilly. Two bowls? Did, no, uh, did you just get two bowls of chili instead of one? Cause there weren't very many people. No, I just got the one. Didn't even finish it because it's actually a, a huge bowl of chili they give you, <laughs> and we we and we wanted to get to the ferry. You know, it was either catch yeah. that ferry or wait an hour. So right, we were, no, you don't we want were that. getting off of there. Yeah, you yeah, do not want that. Had a nice beer on the way back, you know, an IPA on the way back on the on the ferry. That was a, that, that was a good good IPA, and then uh, awesome. Yeah, so uh, chili hilly, um, fitness baby. Yeah. Um, Fitness. Uh yeah, so um yeah, I'll probably get back into riding more. I have another uh century ride I'm gonna do yeah. at the end of at in in the end of July or early August, but right now I'm focused more on running. But I gotta get back into running, man. It's hard to talk myself into it with this weather. But just gotta do it. I we, know. I mean last week you had no excuse. That's true. Every day. The hardest part is, so I always end up in this, not that we want to talk too long about fitness, but um, the hardest part is like, you know, when you work and you come home and there's maybe like 30 minutes of daylight after you get home, you know, and then Sarah usually doesn't get home until after I do. And so then like the daylight's pretty much gone at that point. And, and then it's really cold and See, I have like a thousand excuses for why. So yeah, that's why. I've, but now it's 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 lighter later. Now we're getting a little better. So. Yeah, that's when I go to go. That's why I've done most of my training. A lot of my training um, through January and February has been at at the Y. Yeah, I try. I try to do that. Just running around on their indoor track is just like. Bleh. Yeah, I do it on a treadmill. Yeah, that's but, probably. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I think it all sucks. I like to run outside, so. Yeah, I'll get back to I'll get back to the grind this week. Let's sure slow down a little bit. Yeah, speaking of getting back to the grind, transition, professional transition there, segue. Yeah. Cougar basketball. Yeah, it was a rough mm. weekend. Rough doesn't begin to describe that garbage. Yeah, it um I mean we'll start with Thursday. That was frustrating. Yep. Um just to take a cow offense that is not very good. Nope. And uh, kind of let. They, I mean, they they didn't shred the Cougs, but by Cal standards, playing the Cougs at home to, you know, get uh, one, you know, over one point per possession is is frustrating. Um, even the Cougs forcing a fair amount of turnovers, uh, rebounding really well, but 
it was free throws and well free throws driven free throws a lot by mostly <laughs> free throws and yeah it was just uh frustrating to watch um and uh just because the Cougs couldn't they got down late early and they just couldn't come back because they just didn't have the offensive they had a they went through a stretch where Cal didn't score for five minutes and they scored I think five points over that stretch or three yeah they they made they cut the lead by like three points or something or five points over that yeah. span it's bad which when we get to the next game we can talk about a similar thing um but yeah so yeah the, obviously the we knew the offense was going to be bad and it when it was um cj uh didn't have a particularly good game uh you uh you uh wait are you saying 13 points on 18 shots yeah. is a bad game yeah. um and then uh you really you got you got a, a a great effort from Tony Miller and no one else really. Uh, you got Mar like Noah Williams really has struggled being the number two option. He has yeah. not done well with it. Um, his his uh, effectiveness has plummeted because he's been asked to create more, right? Um, Which he is just not ready for at nope. all. Yeah, you had Gervais knock down some threes. Uh, that was a bright spot. He kind of kept them around in the second half, hitting those threes along with Tony Miller. Um, but just otherwise, it's just uh, they they really were never within two possessions in the second no. half. More than closer than two possessions uh, with the ball in the second half. And uh, yeah, they basically it, it seemed like Paris Austin was at the line killing a a, a rally. Um, at any point. Um, yep. So that was just a, and then obviously the, another big inside um, dominating them, Andre Kelly, um, eight of 10 from twos. Uh, that was frustrating. Yeah. Just to like, Cal's not a good team and to no. get swept, swept by them. Uh, really, those are two games that WSU should have had. And, and if they would have had them, this season would be looking a lot Yep. better right now uh yep. they'd be at they'd be at uh what seven and seven yeah um seven and eight whatever it is um but yeah the, like it, obviously I, I you know it's tempting to say if bonton was in it might have swung it but they like it, it might have just got them uh out like it would have avoided getting in such a hole early but yeah um, well, I mean, I, I will say this, though, that, you know, Bonton, I, I think it's pretty clear, is our best perimeter defender in addition to being, you know, our best perimeter offensive player as well. Um, and so, you know, when you're looking at a game that featured so many free throws, right, so much. Now, some of that was uh, some of that was Pollard uh, being ineffective in the interior and, mm-hmm. you know, Tony Miller playing uh, pretty significant minutes at, at center. Um, you know, those things are obviously not ideal against against a team that's got um, a fairly good sized center that can do some damage. But, um, you know, Bonton's going to contain some of that penetration and he's going to he's going to reduce some of that free throw free throw free throw rate uh, just on his own. So, you know, I, I don't know that the result ends up different. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to sit there and say he's, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, like superstar or something. But. Um, you just see the important things that he does when he's not there. And we don't have another point guard that can do what, well, let me, let me rephrase that. 
we had two point guards that can do what he does. And now we have zero because one of them injured his hip earlier in the season and ended or his leg or something um, and ended up out for the season. And then the other one injured his hip against UCLA and has been out for three games. So, you know, we were left with, uh, you know, really a freshman and Gervais Robinson, who, um, you know, Gervais for all of his, uh, you know, ability to play hard on defense, which is great. Um, is 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 really not not an offensive threat um, at all, and he he doesn't do the kinds of things Bonton does with uh, penetrating and passing. So uh, having him in that lead guard role is just you know is a real 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 problem. And you know the other thing I think that um, is a little bit underrated, to be honest, uh, I, I just I think Jeff Pollard is is absolutely gassed. Yep, um, I was going to say that too. You know, so when we look at like his last three games, now you know he had. Uh, the good game against UCLA, uh, the overtime game against UCLA, played his butt off, and then, of course, in overtime kind of got taken to the woodshed by, uh, I can't remember the player's name. but Riley. Uh, yeah, Riley. You know, to, it just basically destroyed him in the in the overtime. But, you know, I mean, you look at that game overall, you know, 20 points, six rebounds, two steals. You know, you're like, yeah, like that was a pretty good game. Uh, in the three games since, now this, again, this, uh, and he played 40 minutes in that game. And and we sort of marveled at that, right? Last week we talked, oh, 40 minutes. Like, you know, and that was second time he's played 40 minutes. And wow, you know. Um, you know, the three games since, he has scored four points, four points, and two points. Well, not in that order. Two points, four points, four points. So 10 points over the last three games. And I think even more noteworthy, he has four total rebounds, including only one defensive rebound in the last three games. Four total rebounds from your, from your center, center. Yeah. in three games. <laughs> in three games. And he's uh, in his minutes. Have, and he's, he's played, yeah, and he's played yeah. 20 minutes a game. in yeah. 20 plus minutes a game in those games. So, um, you know, maybe some of that has to do with Bonton. You know, and, and you wouldn't normally think like, you know, the uh, at least offensively anyway, uh, some of that has to do with, with that guy. But, you know, I mean, to only get, you know, to get one defensive rebound in three games uh, is 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 pretty patently absurd. Um, and then you watched, you know, he's zero for zero for seven on threes in those games. Um, you watched him shoot those games or shoot those shots, and you know, not a lot of legs there. Um, I, I just think he's battled so hard all season, uh, and, and you know, playing you know overmatched most nights, uh, at least for the last couple months playing Pac twelve games. Um, you know, I, I just think he's kind of toast and, you know, God bless him. You know, it was uh, super touching to watch him walk over to center court to kiss the logo and then have ESPN cut away from it, uh, and when it happened and then, when he and then have ESPN cut back after he was done. God, dipshits. They're the worst. They send us Corey Williams and Roxy Bernstein. They can't even get Jeff yeah, Pollard we, we, kissing we get the logo. Yeah, we get them on the Pac-12 network. Why do we get them on? God, it's horrible. We get that same crew on Pac-12 network games, right? Like, Corey Williams, world. like, he says so many things that are just, demon- like, just false. They're just wrong. He's like, okay, so the three-pointer that C.J. Ellaby blocked, you remember that one? So mm-hmm. it was like an inbounds play. Stanford drew up this whole inbounds play because they only had, like, you know, three seconds on the shot clock. So they drew up this whole inbounds play to try and get off a shot. And it was supposed to be like this uh, basically like run, you know, Isaac White shoot running the baseline, coming around a screen um, and getting off a shot from the corner. 
and CJ Ellaby got around a screen, chased it down, jumped and blocked the shot. Right. And Corey Williams goes, yeah, you know, as you see here, Ellaby kind of got caught sleeping, but then he like, you know, made up the ground and blocked the shot. And I'm like, he wasn't fucking asleep. He busted through a screen. Like, like he chased that shit down. He earned that block. Oh, just, mm, I can't stand that guy. He's horrible. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So Cal came frustrating because they, they limited Matt Bradley pretty well. Um, I think uh, Gervais gets some some Gervais and Noah yeah. kind of combined yeah. for that. Um, I didn't I didn't even realize that Marvin Cannon played 35 minutes in that game. I remember yeah. he started, um, but that just shows that he is just uh, you know he he's just he just has never found his place in this offense. Yeah, he just doesn't from the beginning he's of not the season used very much. You know, it, you, you'll remember him when he tries to you know uh, posterize someone or. Or whatever, but like it's it's he just uh, like he just doesn't outside of you know an awkward three attempt here or there like it's and we know he can shoot uh, pretty well especially from the corner particularly from the corner um, but it, but he um, he just hasn't shot that well this season I mean in, in fairness he's been in and out and but uh, obviously they have him in there because there's you know what else who else are you gonna put in there um, I mean obviously you and I were high on him. Uh, before the season, but he's just, yep. um, we were really excited. Both of us were yeah. that he came back. Yep. Um, because he's just, uh, he's got the physical tools and he's got that corner three. So you're thinking like a three and D type of guy, but yeah, um, it just hasn't worked out. Yeah. You know, he's obviously battled injuries and then, um, now he just, yeah, like you said, he just doesn't, he hasn't found a place in the offense. I mean, he's, he, uh, he just doesn't, like use the ball very much uh he he he, he's relying on other people to get him shots and then like we said when the only he's playing because bonton's out and uh bonton is probably the only guy on the team that really can set him up regularly um because we've seen with ellaby when he's putting the ball on the deck he's not looking to he's not looking to dish very much um and like you said noah Noah does have that ability, um, and it, it, but it's kind of his his shooting has been so suspect that defenders can kind of um, lay off of him a bit to yep. tighten those passing lanes. Um, you know, he was two of ten uh, against Cal, and then he was uh, similar. Uh, we're two of ten from two against Cal, and then one of six and one of eight overall against Stanford and he was two of 11 overall. Like, I mean, so teams are really daring him to shoot, yeah, right? And they, they're not, just like, okay, you're not going to beat us off the dribble. You're going to have to beat us with a shot. And yeah. And he can't really do it's that. It's just, it's just really condensing the offense overall. Yeah. Um, when you don't have that threat outside yeah. it makes it's it really, so hard. It's really too many guys. You know, you mentioned cannon as a potential, you know, three and D guy, that, that sort of thing. Well, we have like a whole bunch of guys that maybe kind of fit that profile. Right. <laughs> you know, we that's have pretty a lot much of what guys. Gervais has been doing. That's what Gervais is. That's what DJ Rodman is. That's what, uh, Alex Kuntz is. I mean, it's and granted They all have varying levels of success within that, but it's, it really does show, you know, in general, the guy, I think DJ Rodman will obviously become more, more diverse than that as time goes on. But, um, you know, it really just kind of shows you the limitations of the guys that Ernie recruited, um, that, you know, you, you've got these guys who, 
you know, really can't do a lot of things. And, you know, Kyle Smith talks about wanting to recruit six tool players. Right. And I remember when, you know, the first time I heard him say that uh, I was like, well, duh, doesn't everybody want guys who can do a bunch of things, but what he's really getting at, and I can see it now from watching the team. Um, you know, what he's really getting at is he, he wants guys who can at least do a little bit of everything. And if you are limited by the ability to really only do one thing or two things, um, that really makes it tough to play within what he's asking them to do. And so you see a guy like Cannon, you know, you see a guy like Gervais. Now Gervais obviously is, is bringing it on the defensive end, as we said, but, um, you know, you just see these guys within the offense who are, you know, they just, they don't have an, a well-rounded enough skill set to be effective within what Smith asks them to do. And, you know, so then you see Cannon, he just kind of stands around, right? I mean, he, he's not a good dribbler. Um, he's an okay spot up shooter, right? You mentioned that. Um, but he's, he's not a dribbler. He's not a passer. Um, so in order for him to score, it's, it's really gotta be either, you know, a spot up three and even that's pretty dicey or, um, really he's just somehow gotta, someone's got to find him in some space attacking the basket. And when they do, obviously he can finish, um, or get a foul, but you know, without it, you know, in lieu of that, uh, you know, it's not a lot of other stuff he can do. And, you know, we just have a lot of guys without Bonton on the floor. We just have too many guys like that who can maybe do one thing or two things. Um, and when we really need them to do, you know, at least three or four and, and they, and they can't. So, yeah, I, I don't even want to know what the offense would have looked like if Miller hadn't come back. Right. Um, Cause he's very clearly our most gifted offensive big. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's also bonkers. six, six. Um, but he is transferring the, from Montana after transferring from SPU, right? And man, he's athletic. Man. He is, uh, but yeah, way and, more than I gave him credit for earlier. Yeah, in the season. he's very athletic, and I think that's why he's been effective offensively because he typically has a bigger guy on him, and yeah. um, he's given he's given some even some of the more like I, he gave Onyeka Kongwu trouble earlier in the first game against USC offensively. Like he he just he puts the like he sees opportunities to put the ball in the deck and. He's very good at um, catching and finishing. Um, he doesn't. He's because of his athleticism. He's got a little more leeway, like in in how he can attack the basket. Yeah. Say, like if it's jumping off to if like you're dumping it off to Pollard, um, he better be like pretty open. But uh, Miller can <laughs> and score even from sometimes a, that's not enough because yeah. he's got to actually catch the ball. Yeah, but like but Miller can score from quite a few angles. Um, obviously, he's been. Uh, kind of stretching it out a little bit. Uh, that's something hopefully he can work on next year. Because if he can knock down, yeah, you know, that three, he, yep. he, I mean, that'd be huge. Like he, because it, I mean, it's just with him. If we could get a legitimate five, and he could play the four, and yep. like it, he would be so good. Yeah, but he he is often in the five at, at six six two ten. Like he's playing. Yeah, Smith five. is Smith has gone these last couple of games. He tried just going ultra small, and which obviously didn't work either. But you know he just doesn't have a lot of options right now. And playing Miller at the five is, <laughs> yeah, he was, I, I, yeah, whatever. He was huge um, against Cal. They, I mean, yeah, they were dead in the water without him. Yeah, um, that game's a blowout. And then he, him. yeah. And then he against Stanford, uh, 
had fewer opportunities, but was again very effective in, in finishing those opportunities. Um, very good. Yeah, he's our best class. finisher around the basket, probably. Abs- absolutely. I mean, maybe I even maybe even better than CJ. To be honest, yeah, I, I would I would think so. Um, CJ is probably taking a lot more difficult shots, but I yes. think Miller Miller is. Uh, yeah, he's he's. I mean, in, in terms of our front court, see uh, if you're counting CJ as a three. Yeah. If you've got at the four and the five, like easily um, over Pollard or Markovetsky, that's pretty much who it is. <laughs> yeah. Like um, that's, you know, he, he, uh, he fills that role of uh, the catch and finish, which is makes you, you look back, it's a bummer that he missed so much time. Um, Cause yeah. he could have been having a real nice season. Um, yeah. If he but, can add about 10 or 15 pounds between this right. and next season yeah. and add a legitimate three point shot, um, cause it's still, it still looks a little, when you see him shoot, like it's, yeah, it, you it's see it in the free wonky. throws, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you see it, why he's not a good free throw shooter. Right. Like there's just a, there's just a tiny little hitch in his jump shot. I don't know if, I, I don't know if hitch is even the right word to use. It's just like, there's just like a, a little bit of a lack of fluidity in the follow through. Um, it just kind of yeah. comes, the ball kind of comes off his hand kind of hard. Yeah. You know? And so you see that on the free throws and if, if they can clean that up somehow, and really get him, um, you know, make that jump shot just a little more fluid. Um, man, he, yeah, he could be a really, a real dangerous weapon, particularly if he can play, you know, play the four uh, at, you know, and be just, you know, 10 or 15 pounds heavier, not lose any of that athleticism. Um, I, you know, he could be a real valuable piece, uh, real valuable piece going forward. Yeah. I'm not, and when I'm saying this, I'm not thinking the same styles of players, but just the same sort of rise in the senior year that we saw out of like Koprovica and Lodwick and so And so, you know, if, if you can get a guy that can just uh, start finishing even more and, and yep. look for more opportunities when he, like, I mean, he's actually pretty aggressive offensively considering, you know, uh, how often he touches the ball. Like he's, he's getting in self in positions to score well he was a volume well. scorer at spu yeah you know that's that's the difference i mean he he was a volume scorer for his first two years so you know he he definitely i think has that scorer's mentality and i and i think that's part of what's made him um so good is he really he's just like fuck it man <laughs> and he's fearless you know i love it yeah and right, we can talk about the stanford game a little bit um yeah again uh De Silva was uh, a bear but I, I don't know why he had to hit those three pointers that was annoying Asshole. But, um sure. yeah, he was he was tough to deal with again um uh so was uh just almost anyone on Stanford <laughs> they all were hard to deal with yeah you know, that whatever. was uh, Stanford is just a really I was uh messaging a um a, a coach that um I was I messaged periodically uh, from uh, um, USF that worked with Kyle Smith um, b- before the game, and and he was he was saying you know they didn't have a game, so he's going to watch this one, and and, uh, and um, he just and I was he's like uh, I know it's going to be tough. I'm like yeah, this is a really bad matchup for WSU, and in, you know especially if Bonton's out, like it's just it's just not a good matchup. Um, De Silva is the perfect type of big to exploit, especially a tire Jeff Pollard. Um, he's quick enough to the where Miller, you know, Miller's quickness, which is his like best asset, is not really effective in guarding him. Um, so you're left just trying to crash. Um, 
Yeah, when you look at like all the guys that played, which is crazy to see, all the guys that played significant minutes for Stanford, only one was below uh, 100 offensive rating for the game. Um, you don't see that very often. No, uh, you don't. Uh, they, again, they they weren't as dominant on on two pointers. They really uh, were super annoying on threes this game, um, but they still hit 65 percent of their twos, and then also added uh 48% of their threes and uh 76% from the free throw line. So it was just uh they weren't missing much. Um they uh, when they did miss uh the Cougs locked down the defensive glass. So um that's why uh you know in that basically one stretch when they were missing when the the Cougs um had their best chance to come back um the 6 minute stretch where Stanford didn't score in the second half uh they they couldn't like they couldn't make a shot and so they were one and done over and over and over again um yeah because the Cougs, they were working hard to get boards but uh, obviously wsu in that time in that six minutes was only able to score eight points um and they weren't able to get just just like against cal uh they made their runs in the second half but they never could get within any closer than a two possession game the closest they got was 47 43 yeah and uh and then you know stanford always had a they always had had a run to answer they, yeah. they always had a five or six point run just to just to squelch anything this feels so much like dick bennett's first season right like where you you know they could get these long stretches of defense but that the offense was just so painful that you know about the only thing that doesn't feel like it obviously is this team plays it you know quite a bit faster pace obviously than right. uh, than Dick's team did but but similar kind of deal right where it's like I mean especially these last few games you know yeah they're gonna have some stretches of really good defense for a while um, but it's like they they can't score and <laughs> they can't score enough in those in those yeah, uh, had, stretches to, to have, really make a difference. You have Gervais Robinson taking 16 shots, oh, including God. 10 threes. Uh, yeah. That's not ideal. I mean, in, in his, in fairness, he could have been much worse. And like he, yeah, um, well, and it's, it was senior day. So it seemed like that played into yeah. part of it too. Yeah. But um, that obviously didn't get Pollard any extra shots. <laughs> no. um, he, he took a few threes and uh, scored one bucket inside. Um, uh, CJ, uh, the shooting percentages don't look great, but overall he was pretty effective. Um, 22 and 10, those threes were huge, uh, and they were all very difficult. Um, it seemed to, he would miss the open ones and hit like the ridiculous, yeah. uh, deep ones. Um, but yeah, he was obviously battling and having a hard time. It's just his, his, his two point percentages plummeted in Pac-12 play just because it's so easy for teams to crash on him. Um, he hasn't become a great, um, you know, he, he hasn't been great at, um, dishing off when teams crash on him, um, defensively, he usually forces up a real tough lay in, um, and he doesn't get the foul calls as much as he, you know, he he might think he should. Yeah. That's, that's been a weird ongoing thing. It seems like he should draw a few more fouls than he does. He seems like he gets pretty hammered. I don't know if it's his size, like his, his, you know, his, his strength that, kind of makes the refs think he's a little uh um because he, he doesn't you know flop really he just gets hit and just keeps keeps going but uh, maybe he needs to add that flop to his repertoire to get more uh <laughs> get more calls 
but yeah, it's I, I don't know. Like overall, he had a. I mean, he had the type of game that um, we WCU needed from him. Uh, obviously, you know, something greater. But I wouldn't expect much more the way Stanford was keen on him because uh, they were able to take him out for quite you know some long stretches um, just by you know shutting it down. Well, and Stanford's a really good defense. Too. Yeah, they, I mean they're top ten. Yeah. So to do what he did in that game, you know, 22 points on 19 shots, yep. uh, you know, 10 rebounds, two assists, two blocks, two steals, only one turnover. That, that's a pretty damn good game yep. um, against that team. But, you know, only three of, as you mentioned, you know, only three of 10 on twos, you know, just a real struggle. Free throws. Yeah. Yep. Just a real struggle to, to do damage inside. I, I do think that that's, um, that's the next piece of his game he's got to develop um, next year, presuming yeah. he sticks around. I, I really – I don't know. I mean, unless he's just dying to go to the NBA, or or let me rephrase. Unless he is just dying to play professional basketball, which some guys are, you know. But I don't, I don't get the sense from him that he's just – you know, that he's dying to leave school and dying to start his professional career, whether that's in the NBA or the G League or overseas. Um, I think his goal really is to get to the NBA. I, just – Again, I don't know the kid, um, but it just seems like from uh, the things that he says, the way he carries himself, the way he you know developed his game, I, I think that's his goal, and he's he's definitely not ready for that yet. Um, you know, I, I can't imagine anybody you know expending much draft capital to, to select him at this point. Um, his ability to actually get to the basket, draw fouls, finish around the basket, um, those are things that are. Uh, you know, going to be really important because he's not the he's not the most fleet of foot guy, right? I mean, if he was, he probably wouldn't have ended up at Washington State. Yeah, he's so. he's a good leaper. He's strong, but he's yep. yeah, he's not, he 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 rarely breaks a guy off the dribble all the way to the basket. The guy yeah, he's got to be like, he's got to learn to be crafty enough to get to the rim, which v- t- way too often he he uh, is is sort of forced into taking a mid range jumper. So yeah, and uh, you know he's shot really well from three in Pac twelve play, thirty eight percent. But it's he was over fifty percent um, from twos before Pac-12 play started. He's at thirty-two percent during Pac-12 play on twos. So this three of ten was a pretty typical performance for him against the conference opponents. Um, his free throw rate has dropped in conference play. Um, it you know f- when we say free throw rate, we mean the the number of free throws he gets per field goal attempt. Um, his free throw percentage has been just fine still. Um, but, uh, it, yeah, it's, he, he just, um, I, I think in the way he does, it's a very typical way he attacks the basket. He ends up taking this kind of lefty runner from the block. Um, you, you see that shot a lot from him and, uh, he's and not, not real great at finishing it. Yeah. He's not going to draw a foul on that. Um, so yeah, he's definitely got some, some things to work on offensively. Um, he's, uh, he's a good shooter and he's, uh, just a tough, uh, yeah. strong guy, but it, and I'm uh, sure I, he's running down too. Well, like, and yeah, I mean, he's he leads the conference in shot percentage, uh, which means when he's on the floor, he takes the highest percentage of shots of his team's shots than any other player in the conference. More than like Peyton Pritchard or any any other great player you might think of, it's C.J. Ellaby is taking the highest percentage of shots, um, and then he's second in possession usage. And um, really where he gets docked there is because he doesn't get to the free throw line very much. And he doesn't turn the ball right. over very much, which is not a bad thing. And not a lot of assists. Yeah. 
But yeah, it's so yeah, he's a uh, and ninth uh, he, in minute percentage. Yeah, so yeah, he's playing playing a, a ton of minutes. of minutes, taking a ton of shots. You know, doing a ton of rebounding too, which is also a thing that actually expends quite a bit of energy. Yeah. He's, sec- he's he is second in the conference in defensive rebounding percentage in conference play, and uh, and twenty five remarkable for a so guy he, his size. So he grabs almost twenty six percent of the available defensive rebounds while he's on the floor. That is a very elite number. That yeah, that's conference like play. That's, Josh Hawkinson type. Yeah, maybe even a little better than what Hawkinson that's like, was. I, that might be yeah. I'd say more like Kevin Love type uh rebounding yeah. percentage like it's like if you think some of like that's where the best rebounders are falling like aaron baines was pretty close to there his uh his senior year um you know it so that's just a, a an excellent number um and he's 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 been he's done that more during conference play than he did during non-conference um and you know that that speaks to his strength and leaping ability, and, yeah. and just he, he's got that he's got that rebounding nose that some guys just have. Yeah. By the way, point of correction: Josh Hawkinson is a junior, thirty-two percent defensive rebounding percentage. Yeah, that was Jesus. I forgot about that. <laughs> but then his senior year it was only twenty-six and a half. So yeah, only. But yeah, point stands. I mean, CJ Ellaby at six-six, two hundred. To get as many defensive rebounds as he does is, is really remarkable, and is, it is also expends energy. So, yeah. yeah, he's he's given it his all. This is not to like drag on him at all. Like he's he's having a, a really incredible season, and uh, but you know, pretty clear he's still he's still got some stuff to work on. Um, and so, you know, hopefully he sticks around for another year. Yeah, I think least. that would help. That would help WSU quite a lot. Uh, uh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It would not that not that we're you know like that but it would actually help the team that we love without a yeah. doubt um so i guess we could probably take a break well okay whatever stanford sucked they lost yeah <laughs> again screw um, those nerds yeah screw those nerds um but uh stanford really needed that win um, yes they did so good for they them. needed both those wins they got beat washington too so yeah yeah, yeah. Those are good wins for them. But yeah, those uh so bad weekend basketball wise, two pretty bad losses, especially yep. in the context of the uh, of the the team quality of Cal. Yeah. Um but yeah, um hopefully Bonton so hopefully Bonton comes back for you dub on Friday, so maybe we'll take a break and then we'll uh we'll talk about that game a little bit. We're back. Well, this is where we always sneak in the beer talk somewhere. Yeah. What beer are you drinking? Yeah. Uh, I am having a Space Danger from Fremont. It's their uh, seasonal. Uh, the can is uh, absolutely A++, other than the fact that it features the color purple. But um, we've got uh, a purple can with orange, looks like Martian surface. And what looks like a crashed space rocket. And for some reason on this Martian surface, there are dinosaurs. So, whatever. But beer's pretty good. Have you ever been to Mars? Do you know there's not dinosaurs there, Jeff? You know what? That is a fair point. Um, But yeah, pretty standard, you know, kind of West Coast IPA style. Um, Yeah, perfectly pleasant beer. Wonder if it's... uh, I haven't had it yet. I wonder if they were... uh... If that's a direct um, um, dig at uh, Space Dust. It might. If, uh, it might be. 
it's possible. I've not looked at any descriptions of it, but yeah, could be, could be. Cool. Yeah. Um, what you drinking, dude? I am having a triple IPA, a hazy mm-hmm. triple IPA from Ruse Brewing. I'm in cor- in collaboration with Structures, but it was brewed at Ruse. Ruse is out of Portland. It's called Mirrored Memories. Um, it is uh, pretty tasty. Um, I, uh, it was given to me by friend of the podcast, Brian Logan, um, who uh, was up at Structures, and uh, gave. So I, 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 I kind of was joking with him and said I wasn't going to give him another fucking shout out, but uh, here I am. <laughs> but you just did. But hey, it was just too easy. I was being lazy and looking for a beer, and I just there you him. go. Uh, interesting, uh, just between, just talking about, Ruse is a very good brewery there in, uh, I, I've said they're in Portland, uh, they brewed, the first beer I had from them was like a very interesting sour, that was a few years back, and then they've just, you know, expanded their repertoire and make a lot of good beers, very respected. Um, they were one of the co- collaboration breweries on Fort George's three-way IPA last year, where they always pick a uh, Oregon Brewery and a Washington mm-hmm. Brewery mm-hmm. And, and do a, a triple collaboration. They do all these beta batches of it before. Yeah. Um, Those are seen, always outstanding. Yeah. Um, I feel like the the one a couple years ago with Holy Mountain and Modern Times was better. I liked it a lot more than last year's one with Ruse and Clubburst. Um, uh, but uh, I, I didn't really like how they did the um, different hop varieties throughout the batches. I just kind of was like, just pick a pick one and do the same beer over again all the summer which is what they usually do but um so i i'm kind of hoping they don't do that again this year where they were like this is the citra one this is the whatever one you know um i didn't like that so much last year um because some of them were good and some of them were less good yeah uh, <laughs> um but the the one the, the couple years before uh were really good um, they always do a different can, but kind of based on the brewery vi- the vibes of the the two breweries. So I'm excited to see. So so Ruse was in it last year, and it's funny because this is a collaboration between Ruse and Structures, and Structures is one of the is the Washington brewery um, this year. Uh, the uh, Oregon brewery is a brewery called Level Beer, who had, does a lot of like video game themed branding and stuff. Yep, yep. Uh, We've but, had them on the podcast before. Yep, and so uh, Structures is an excellent brewery in Bellingham. Obviously, I talked about them a couple episodes ago. It might have been last episode. Um, so highly recommend them. Um, but yeah, so uh, big, hazy triple IPA. It's not very bitter. Uh, it's very much a it's, a... it's called American tri- triple IPA, but it's very much New England style. Um, yeah, not a ton of bitterness. Very fruity. Um, a lot of, uh, a lot of tropical fruits action going on, heavily dry hopped. So the nose is big time fruit. Um, obviously no fruit in the beer. I'm talking about the, you know, the kind of, uh, uh, tropical fruits, um, you know, the, the mangoes and the papayas and stuff that you kind of get from the, the new hops. Uh, this says it was brewed primarily with Vic secret hops, which is kind of the new, the new hot shit. Um, and then uh, dry hopped with Enigma Citra Mosaic. Um, so it is very tasty. Uh, it's very easy drinking for a 10% beer. Um, quite dangerous. Uh, but yeah, I like it. Um, Those are the job. best ones. Yeah. Good job, Ruse and 
structures who probably just had a guy there uh, drinking beer. Um, I think that the can art is done by the structures guy, um, is what someone told me. And then, um, so they, you can see that on my Twitter account, um, at the Craig powers, but, uh, uh, yeah, so pretty solid stuff. Um, I'm almost done with it. Uh, got a, a three fates from Holy mountain, um, which Brian also picked up for me, um, nice. as, as my, uh, as my beer to take me to the finish line here. Um, yeah, so, uh, got UW again, mm. uh, this time in UW's place, mm. um, and hopefully with Isaac Bonton. I uh, think we'll have him back. Yeah. That's kind of, that seems to be the vibe. Like he, de- he went through some warmups on Sunday and then, uh, it came out and warmed up. And then when the game started, he was back in street clothes. So, um, I think the hope is that. You know, okay, so that was a good sign that he was close, and then um, he kind of dropped, you know, what seemed like a little bit of a hint on his Twitter uh, about, you know, the Apple Cup. The Apple and, Cup, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I think there's a pretty good, there's a pretty good chance that that he'll be back. So, Which yeah, is good. So you, Dub uh, d- did not have trouble with Cal. Uh, they, <laughs> no, they them. didn't. <laughs> Snapped a nine-game losing streak with that that win. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, the uh, UW's had three conference wins. Two of them have been absolute blowouts at home, um, and then uh, the another home win over Oregon State. So just like every team in this conference this year, they've been a lot better at home than they've been on the road. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, WSU was able to uh, shut them down pretty well defensively. Uh, the first time around, they weren't. They didn't really let Isaiah Stewart do a whole lot. Um, hopefully, they can do that again. Uh, it's again like UW. Just on paper, is a really shitty matchup for WSU um, because of the athleticism of guys like Stewart and, and McDaniel's. Um, but uh, UW is one of those uh, you know teams that because of their their Ken Palm rating will perplex people because um, they do they are still ranked 56th despite despite um, being three and 12 in Pac-12 play right, despite a nine game um, losing streak but they did beat which they just uh, broke they be, did beat Ken Palm's number two team to start the year um, and they and then were, a whole lot of close losses and they yeah they had a pretty close loss to number three Gonzaga um they took number 19 houston real close uh, uh close tons of other close losses so they yeah, definitely close loss are, to ucla doesn't look bad anymore uh, yeah, i mean ucla might be the best team in the conference right now honestly. they might be uh, they're, they're on lunardi's got them like i think first four out yeah so like, like they are just right on the bubble now i mean they, they've if, played themselves there so wsu gave UCLA their best run in the last four games, yeah. which which is includes uh, road wins at Arizona and Colorado and Utah, which is insane. But yeah, um, um, but yeah, so uh, but yeah, UW. I don't know. They're gonna throw that match the matchup zone at you. Um, it's tough with the length they have. Uh, particularly McDaniel's is pretty disruptive. Uh, not as disruptive as like a Matisse Thibel person was, but yeah, he he just. Uh, He's long. Um, so, yeah, they're going to have that that defense. Um, WSU was able to 
do pretty well against it last time, obviously, uh, um, in uh, taking down UW, but that was at home. Uh, WC is typically shot better at home. Um, it was CJ in particular um, going 6 of 9 the first time from 3 um, and then going 10 of 10 from the free throw line. I What always gives me hope in these games at UW, I, I, I've seen WSU teams play better than you would expect at yep. um, at uh, Alaska Airlines at Heckhead, um, be, especially um, the the kids from Seattle. I, like, uh, I, I know Ella B and Williams will be fired up. They were clearly fired up for the Pullman game. Um, um, I, I, I would expect Ella B to be looking to score quite a bit. Um, Bonton is a Portland guy. So I think he's still, um, you know, he, he knows UW well. Um, it's probably a school that he thought he should have been recruited by. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, um, it's something about those, those games, um, in, from a basketball perspective, um, that, uh, you know, sometimes we perform much better than we'd expect. Um, and, and we'll have to do that again. Like WC is going to need LB to go off again. Um, and they're going to need probably more from Bonton if he plays and, um, they're going to need Williams to be disruptive and, um, hopefully, uh, I, I, I hope Miller only played three minutes in the first matchup. I think he'd be nice to have in this one yeah, because, because of his athleticism. Yep. And his um, ability would, to kind of sneak into some of those gaps yeah. in the zone. Yep. Yep. I think he'd be a very effective guy. Um, obviously like, uh, just giving on trends. I, I, I mean, Pollard's going to get a few extra days off here than he normally would, but, um, just on trend and maybe knowing that you don't have that ne- next game in the weekend, you can play just a little bit harder. Um, but, uh, um, I would expect Pollard just to, you know, his minutes to be dropped in to be around 20 and, and we pro- we're probably gonna see Miller to get quite a few more. Um, yeah, just, to, you know, you just, you hope we can knock down some threes, shake, shake out that zone a little bit. Um, and then uh, they were able to um, get some inside looks um, occasionally the first time around. It wasn't easy, but you know they they it mostly were able to just uh, uh, you know attack the basket and draw fouls, which UW can do at times. Um, and they were really able to you know exploit that zone for offensive rebounds, which um, to beat to beat that zone, that's probably the number one thing you can do is just attack the glass, get extra chances and hope that they work out. Right. Yeah. And the, you know, the, one of the things that we see about, um, home court advantage is that typically fouls tend to favor, favor the home team. And that was definitely to our benefit in the first matchup. And, you know, we've kind of talked about how, uh, it seems we, we seem to not get the benefit of the calls on the road. Um, and I think, you know, before we kind of talked about, okay, so we play this real, you know, aggressive trying to steal the ball style, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and, and for what it's worth, that also seems to be something that has dropped off. Um, I'm not looking at our numbers right now, but, um, it just seems like we're getting far fewer, you know, those overplay steals that we were getting, um, earlier in the season, whether that's because, you know, the other teams are just, you know, higher quality. And so they're not giving as many opportunities or whether that's just because, you know, it's late in the season. It really does take a lot of energy um, yep. to get out in those lanes and do those things, uh, you know, to be disruptive with your hands. I don't know. I, I think it's probably some of both and probably mostly just it's it's late. 
in the season and dudes are tired and you know that little extra burst of quickness you need to get your hand on a pass um, is tougher to come up with at this point so you know you kind of put all that together to go on the road to Washington you figure you're not going to get nearly as many friendly whistles um, you know, charges same way, you know, Jeff Pollard drawn a charge at home, you know, maybe doesn't get that call on the road. Right. Uh, Noah Williams definitely doesn't get that call on the road, you know I mean? Uh, so I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I, I think that was one game where, you know, I mean, we, we love to rag on, you know, pack 12 refs and, you know, we kind of joked, uh, you know, in the Cal game that we were getting refed in our own building, which, you know, I, I think we were, but you know, the, the UW game was definitely the one game where I'm going, Oh my God, like, 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 okay, we're really getting the benefit of most of the, <laughs> most of these whistles at this right. point. So, um, yeah, I, I think we need a little bit of that, you know, I think it's, it's sort of exactly what you said. Um, we need Bonton to be there. Uh, need him to penetrate a little bit, um, and we need some offensive rebounding. I think Tony Miller is, uh, you know, maybe an, an underrated factor in this game, um, particularly if we do get some offensive rebounds. Um, you know, those are great opportunities to to feed it to a guy down low for for a real you know quick putback or a real quick right. shot um, while the defense is out of position. Uh, so that could be a place where where he could excel. So uh, definitely gonna need to hit some outside shots, which we did in the first matchup. Um, so, you know, yeah, if we can do those things, I, I think we have a shot. You know, I mean, I, I said to you, you know, I think during the Stanford game, I was like, we may not win another game the rest of the year, <laughs> you know, we, and we might not, but, um, or at the very least in the, in the regular season, but, uh, with Bonton back, you know, I, I feel like, as you said, you know, for some reason, uh, this is sort of the anti, you know, football apple cup because, uh, you know, we seem to be able to maybe play above our heads just a little bit, um, in Washington's building, in this matchup. And so, uh, you know, I hold out some hope that that'll happen. I think, you know, only playing one game this week, having it be on Friday. Um, it's still a relatively short week because, uh, you know, you played on Sunday and then you play on Friday. So it's not quite the same as it used to be where you'd go, you know, Saturday, Saturday, right. You know, you play the, you know, your second game on Saturday and then you'd go play the, you know, the one off against Washington on Saturday. But, uh, you know, at any rate, you know, they, they will have had, you know, four full days off. Uh, you know, hopefully that's a little bit of a little bit of rest. And, you know, Jeff Pollard maybe hopefully has, you know, just he can, you know, dig real deep into the into the tank to, to pull something out. And, you know, I don't know. I'm not going I mean, because I don't want to be a part of that. But yeah, <laughs> but, you know, well, I uh, I am going I, I as a uh, some friends. uh God bless uh, you. Offered. I, I was a little drunk when I agreed. So, um, <laughs> no, these aren't these aren't husky friends, right? No, these it's, are other Coog friends. It's it's the same uh, people that I was watching okay. the game with. So, um, that, okay. that, so um, that's uh, uh, yeah. I mean, some interesting things. Uh, yeah, you talk about WSU's effectiveness. They've still been very good at forcing turnovers, and UW gives the ball away more than anyone. And gives them way through steals. So you got to hope WSU does get those steals, um, get some quick offense. Yeah, uh, easy buckets. And then uh, somebody interesting, UW relies on the three more than any other team in conference play. Uh, and WSU stifles the three-point attempts more than any other team in conference Particularly play. Particularly with Bonton on the floor. Um, and that typically favors the, team, the defense. Um, so hopefully uh, – I mean, some of that 
has been, we can say that WSU has been not very good defending inside. So, <laughs> so it's not just forcing them off. Um, WSU has not been very good at defending, um, throwing it into the post or whatever, you know. Um, but, and obviously UW is going to do that with Stewart. Uh, that's a big part of their offense. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, a lot of those threes come from uh, Stewart doubles and kickouts. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see here. I don't know. Um, uh, you, UW has found every which way to lose this year. Um, and uh, I would be just fine if them they come out and just do that one more time. Yeah, it's possible. It's possible, and at, at the very least, you know, hopefully you get, you know, very drunk before you go in there so you can still have a good time, even if it doesn't work out. Oh, I, I wouldn't have a good time at all. I got very drunk before the 2015 Apple Cup, and I had a good time. So. <laughs> that is true. We both did. Yeah. And uh, let's see. I think we both almost got in fights on the way out of the stadium, so. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> didn't really I think say the basketball this. crowd's a little, uh, little more tempered, but. We'll see. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I would agree with that. They're not not quite as many of the uh, there's mouth, only, there's, mouth breathers from Auburn driving up only, for basketball games. There's less than ten thousand of them in there. There's you know not seventy thousand like the football yeah. stadium. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, whatever. Um, hopefully, uh, hopefully we come out and win. Uh, it'd be really nice just to. It would be nice. Cause and, this, and by the way, if we won that game. I believe it. I mean, math. We would be mathematically assured of finishing above Washington in the standings. Yep. Yeah. Because so. there'd only be two left, and they'd be uh, and they'd six be wins and three. Behind, yeah, they'd right? be three behind. Yeah. So. Yes. Yeah. So, so that's very important. All the more important. Although, absolutely, uh, that, that's what I I'd be that, telling those guys right now. Think Damn that it. means. Think that means WSU be in line to play Stanford in the first round of the term Pac-12 tournament. Oh. So. Well, fuck that. Um, but what, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want any part of that. Lose uh, to win. No. Yeah. Uh, no. Beat the Huskies at any, any time. Yeah. Available. Everything else will work out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Would okay. you? Okay. Would you trade? Okay. Hypothetically, would you trade a uh, a loss to the Huskies for a win in the Pac-12 tournament for once? No. Me either. I'd, I'd much rather beat the Huskies. Me the too. Winning the winning in the opening round of the Pac-12 tournament means absolutely nothing. True. I know that people get frustrated because we never win in there, but I, it's much more fun to win at UW. Come on. I agree. I agree. I'm with you on that one. I was just curious what you would say. Obviously, I'm going to be there, so I'm going to definitely want that. To, like, that, that, that. Like, I was extremely biased on that. You're like, you're like hell no. Hell no. I'm going like, to I'm not going to Vegas for the I'm going to be in the goddamn arena. Are you kidding me? Of course I want to win that game. I would not trade that for anything. Uh, what else? Recruiting? Should talk some recruiting. Yeah, we got basketball recruiting. We got a Canadian coming down, at least for now. How do you say the same? Jefferson Koulibaly? I believe that's it. Yeah, Koulibaly. Of Montreal. Yeah. Which I just tear, just butchered. But uh, Originally I, from uh, Montreal, currently playing at an academy in Ontario. So Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, Montreal's a cool city. Yeah. So. He's really athletic. Yeah. Um, he he seems to be precisely um the kind of player that they want to recruit. You know, we were talking earlier about the about the six tool guys. Like like he's he's that kind of guy. Um he is you know, people will look at the fact that he's averaging 
you know, whatever, 30 points and 10 assists and whatever. Uh, the competition is, is probably not, you know, the best. And he's also like high volume. I mean, I think he's taking 20 some shots a game. <laughs> like it's yeah. like, it is, it is high volume stuff. But, um, you know, when you watch videos and, there, and there's not a lot of video out there on him, but, um, the stuff I've seen, you know, he just seems to fit really well. You know, he's, he's six foot four, uh, really athletic, uh, you know, is, is, is an adequate passer. Um, you know, maybe not as good of a shooter as he will end up being. Um, you know, he, he seems to, again, the, the volume uh, of shots seems to kind of be playing into, into a lot of that stuff, but, uh, you know, perhaps that's, that's something that can develop and, you know, he certainly has the tools, I think, I think to be effective. So, uh, yeah, you know, the old, uh, we used to joke about Ernie Kent's, uh, long and athletic, right. Uh, that was his, uh, that, that was, you know, his, his propaganda line there in his last year or two, uh, we're, we're long and athletic. And it's like, no, you're not, you're not, you play Ahmed Ali. He's like five foot 11. Like you are not long and athletic at all. Uh, yeah, Ahmed Ali and Gervais Robinson. Yeah. In the same starting back. Yeah. In the same starting backcourt. Um, so yeah, you're, you're not long and athletic at that point, but, um, you know, we're, we're kind of heading that direction, right? I mean, you know, this kid's six, four, uh, who knows if he's done growing, he, he may or may not be. Uh, you know, and then six, five, Noah Williams, six, five, Ryan Rapp. Uh, you know, we're definitely, we're definitely trending in that direction of being, being long enough to, to harass some guys and do some things. So yeah, he's a really exciting guy. I know, uh, you know, my, my sources tell me that the coaching staff is very, very, very excited to have landed him. Um, that they, this is a kid they really, really wanted. And, uh, he was originally a 2021 kid, uh, reclassified to 2020, um, when, and I don't know if he, you know, decided that on his own or if he, uh, was sort of like encouraged to do that maybe by Wazoo or somebody else that, Hey, look, you know, if you reclassify, we can, you know, take care of that now. So, um, I know that Maryland was sniffing around. Uh, I suppose there's no reason why Maryland couldn't continue to sniff around cause he can't sign until April, but, um, yeah, real good get, uh, presuming they can keep him and presuming his, his stock doesn't really take off anymore, which, um, usually at this point in the season, guys typically, are, you know, don't see their stock take off. Uh, it really just be, depends on where they want to wait it out and see if, uh, see if a spot opens up somewhere. Uh, and so that's always risky because if you, if you wait and wait and wait, then, you know, the spot you had, uh, might dry up, you know, you got right. a spot at Washington state, you know, in a power five school, uh, you know that spot could go away if you wait around for Maryland or whoever to finally offer you a, an actual scholarship. So, yeah. Uh, and we should say he's already 18. Um, he's not like yeah. reclassifying as a 17 year old. Right. And, like, yeah. So right. he's, he'll, he'll be right. He'll turn 19. not unusual for kids like that to sort of position themselves, you know, to be signing at 19. Right. Because yeah, he's, he's like, yeah, he's like mature, et cetera. So he's like, uh, when, um, you know, if if you got that fall birthday when you're in high school, you you got that driver's license early uh, because you waited uh, waited to start kindergarten. You know right. that basically extra nine months or whatever. Uh, yeah, because he has an October birthday, and, and that's uh, that's what that's what B's gonna be like. She's a November birthday, so she's gonna yep. have to Tristan, wait. Tristan, so Tristan had his bir- his his birthday's in June, and so he's the oldest kid in his class because we held him. Didn't hold him back, but you know what I mean. Like 
We had our choice of when we could start. We had, we like, he had good reasons. We'll start. So. Yeah, that too. <laughs> he was still getting chemo, so you know that was. Yeah, yeah maybe not a great time to start chemo. No, no. Uh, so yeah. anyway, but yeah, uh, I, I think they're getting. I you know I, I know they're excited about him, and so I when mean, you he's... combine him with the other guys they've got committed, uh, you know Ebajidi and uh, TJ Bamba. You know Bamba's a six five guard. You know six five guard. So. You know they're going to have a lot of guys that are like six five, six six, six seven, uh, who are rangy and athletic, and they're and playing one through three, yep. not, not four and five. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh my god, yeah, that's that's what I mean. So, uh, you know, those guys playing one through three. Uh, and you is, think is, if, if Mark Oveski can, you know, turn into some yeah. seven footer in the back? Yep. Um, yeah. You know, really like, can really become, do some things defensively. Because we, we've seen height be a real issue for the team this year and that's something and we've seen how effective it can be at the guard positions um and when you get even taller um with uh these younger kids coming in yeah. taller than bonton taller than robinson um and more athletic too Kulabali looks very athletic yep um so i'm, I'm yeah i don't know i'm excited for him i i he uh he just feels like an under the radar kid that yeah i mean i maryland's not i mean maryland's not what they were but they're not sniffing around if he's not um legit i i i think that the uh reclassifying is working to our advantage um i think it's looking i think it's way way to our advantage i think if he would have played next year uh you would have seen more uh major conference offers and um so hopefully you know we they can hold on to him for another month and a half (laughs) yeah and uh and and then he he signs that letter of intent and um because he's uh yeah like you said you like you've told me um they're super excited about him and and i just i I get the vibe just based on some of the guys they brought in this year um i i'm already pretty impressed with their talent evaluation um based on the the really quick recruiting class they put together. Yep. Um basically turn, turning over almost the whole roster. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they when they brought in Noah Williams and, you know, Bonton and uh uh Rap and uh, these these look like uh pieces that you know, yep. we, next year will be very helpful. Tony Miller, obviously. Yep. Uh, we talked about him a lot. Um Mark Ivetsky looks like a guy that, you know, I know he looks slow, but he looks like he's got something. And yeah. so I don't know. Like, I, I, I'm i feeling good about their talent evaluation. And if they're excited about him, um, based on the video, he looks like uh, he looks like a guy that, even though he's playing against worse um, teams, uh, he still is uh, he's dominating them. And yep. Yeah. And so, yeah, hopefully, um, hopefully he sticks around and, and we still got him. Um, there's another guy uh, for the uh, next recruiting class. Um, yeah, it's funny that, you know, you get this commitment from this kid and he's probably not the most interesting recruiting note from this week, which is kind of funny. So, uh, WSU, if you try to find this recruit in bat for basketball on, uh, internet, it's quite difficult, um, because he is now a much more prominent football recruit in Nathan Rollins Kabangi or Kabangi. Yeah, we have no idea how to pronounce that. So if any of Nathan's Um, family is listening sincerely apologize for butchering his name repeatedly as we are about to do. So this is a kid in the 2021 class that, uh, Smith got a very early commit from and he's still, 
He still has it as his pinned tweet that he's committed to play basketball at WSU. But he is now a four-star recruit for football. and Defensive end. Defensive end. And uh, so you got to think that um, – you, you, like you got to think that obviously the football team's all in on him coming in too, uh, and it would be a football scholarship probably that would be used. But you got um, it, it's funny that actually they put um, it's when I looked last week they didn't even have w, on his football uh, profile uh, they didn't even have WSU on like the top lists even though he was committed to play basketball. But now they have him at they have WCU as the top uh most like the warmer um one on, on two four seven. Yep. Um but and yeah, the he's, lead recruiter is the new defensive coordinator, so Yeah. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um but yeah, so he is rated uh a ninety two uh to, uh for a football player that he would uh by two seven sports and uh over a ninety he would be one of the best recruits WSU has ever had in football, yeah. honestly. <laughs> yeah, he would be. Um, He'd and be then up he there. Would, he would definitely be uh, one of the best football recruits in the next class if he wasn't going to play football, which he definitely would be. I, I assume he would be a two-sport guy. Um, he is 6'7", 240 already in high school. Yeah. Um, he's athletic enough to play major college basketball and it also wants to play defensive end in football um but yeah now um, because he's so good at football wsu has got a lot more contention for his basketball services uh with uh arizona state california colorado oklahoma giving him offers that's just a few yeah (laughs) uh but yeah so that's uh uh, you got nebraska boise state and miami uh, oregon state also in there but um yeah so uh Obviously, I, this is probably just the start for him on offers. Uh, he's got a whole season yes. uh, to take his official visits and everything. And he can um, take he can take like all of his at least I believe he can take all of his basketball, basketball visits and take and, all his football visits if he wants. Yep. So he could take up to ten visits, I think, if he wanted to. So, so he would be an absolutely huge get um, for WSU athletic department um i you know it's i think you and i both are uh we just really so so want the basketball team to be good yeah um and so it kind of a little bit bums me out that like even if he does come because he probably would only play conference season for basketball um so it because you know football is typically you know going to be running through december typically um, assuming we keep making those bowl games. Um, but, uh, and he, he's obviously going to need some recovery time from one to the other. Um, obviously we've had, you know, uh, Mike Bush play uh two way for us, but, uh, yeah, it's just because he's so uh, good at football, uh, now, uh, even though he's committed, uh, to WSU, it doesn't really feel like he is right. Like right. he, he hasn't committed from a football standpoint. Um, and I, I kind of get the impression that he feels that way. Like, you know, like, yeah, he's, he's not like he committed to basketball, but obviously there's this football thing. Um, 
I, I do. It's it's funny thinking about the one two Kyle Smith and Nick Rolovich um, duo and uh, going in on on him, um, the conversations about him and all that. Um, but um, but yeah, man, um, how are you feeling on this? I, I, how do, do do does he feel like a guy that's going to land at WSU eventually? Well, I think WSU has as good of a chance as anybody because you know when you talk about a school that. Uh, so okay, so to do the two the two sport thing, you've either got to be, uh, you've 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 either got to be a really special athlete to do it, um, or you've got to go to a place where they're just they're willing to let you do it. So, you know, you look at a for example, you know, a guy like, um, you know, back in the day, Donovan McNabb at Syracuse, right? Really special athlete, you know, quarterback, uh, you know, also played point guard, like you know really really obviously special kind of guy I will say, let me let me add that he does not have the uh wsu commit as his uh <laughs> as his pin tweet anymore yeah it is so <laughs> yeah so I think he even said washington state basketball commit on his twitter profile before and he, he doesn't have that yeah anymore. so you know i listen <laughs> and and his his recruitment to you know to our school was um sort of weird in the first place that mm-hmm. um so number one, he committed after his sophomore year, which is obviously unusual. Um, he committed in June, um, and he committed with basically just like an unofficial visit to Pullman, um, which you know, the, I mean, the only difference between the official and unofficial is it's either on the school's dime or on the player's dime. So um, he made his own trip from you know Portland to Pullman, uh, you know, checked it out, thought it was great, decided to commit. And I remember at the time I was just like, you know, okay, (laughs) it's just all right, I guess. Uh, So, you know, I mean, it, anytime something happens that early, you know, your first thought is, well, you know, we'll see. Okay. Right. He's still very young and you never know why a guy, usually when guys commit that early, they're, I shouldn't say usually, there are a lot of reasons why a guy might commit that early. Sometimes it might be you know, working, try, trying to work an angle, trying to leverage, trying to drum up interest in themselves. I mean, there's a lot of other reasons, not saying that was his reasoning. I mean, he did say grand interview that said, just fell in love with Pullman, wanted to be there, thought it was great. I want to be a part of that. Okay, cool. That was before he ever played a snap of football. So then the fall rolls around, he has his football season and uh, was really, really good. When you watch the video, you're like, oh, (laughs) like, like, okay, yeah, I can, I can see that. So um, as far as what, what that means for us, you know, I I think that WSU is is in a position to really kind of give him whatever he wants. If, if he says, yeah, I want to play both, then you know, Rolovich probably looks at that and goes, yeah, he's a special talent. I'm I'll share him. You know, it's, it's sharing, sharing him, sharing a kid with that kind of talent um, is better than not getting a kid at all with that kind of talent. And then, you know, Kyle Smith, probably similar deal. I mean, uh, you know, he's a top 300 recruit in football right now, which is really, really, really good. Um, but he's also, according to, you know, uh, 24 sevens own evaluators, he's also a top 200 recruit in basketball, which is, um, you know, not, not like elite, uh, but is better than really anything we ever get. Uh, he's a high three-star kid. They, you know, so top, you know, top 100 is really sort of the arbitrary cutoff of, okay, these are really impact players, but top 200, you know, I mean, 
like I said, you know, we, we don't have a top 200 kid on our roster right now. CJ Ellaby wasn't a top 200 kid. So, uh, you know, that should, that should kind of tell you something about what kind of, what kind of talent you're getting, even from a guy who, uh, you know, maybe people are projecting a higher upside as a football player than, than as a basketball player. Um, you know, certainly no slouch at all as a basketball player. So, uh, I think both Kyle Smith and, and Nick Rolovich both would be ecstatic uh, to land him, even if, you know, for Kyle Smith, again, it's as you mentioned, it's, you know, for half, you're only going to get him for half a season every year. Uh, you know, I think that's a deal you make. And then and then a part of it, you know, something I mentioned when we were chatting about it before was that, uh, you know, if he plays football and he's on scholarship, he has to take a football scholarship. So that does give, um, you know, a little bit of flexibility to the basketball team, even though, uh, you know, you're, you're only getting the guy maybe for half a season, uh, you're still getting a guy for half a season that doesn't cost you a scholarship. So that's still, that's still a bonus, um, still doesn't hurt you. Um, you know, and then on the off chance that, you know, the football team doesn't make a bowl game, which I think if we're being honest, uh, is, you know, is a possibility going forward. Right. Um, you know, then the season's over at Thanksgiving and, you know, he joins the team, you know, for the last month of, uh, non-conference games before, and then he'll really be ready for conference play. So, um, you know, yeah, I, I think that's good. I, the one thing I do like is this, that the guys who, uh, are basketball players first and then football players second ten, tend to tend to value basketball more than I think most like kind of pundit type people think or, or would would be willing to say. So, you know, basketball players tend to really love playing basketball, um, even though maybe he looks and goes, hey, you know, I'm just kind of starting out this football thing. I also want to kind of see where that goes. Um, you know, basketball players tend to come back around. I mean, Nate Robinson's a great example of that. You know, he was a basket, really a basketball player first and foremost, um, mm-hmm. and loved basketball. And, you know, so he goes to UW on a, on a football scholarship, uh, is a football player decides, you know what, I'm going to do both. And then eventually goes, you know what, I'm just going to play basketball. And that, you know, worked out to be a pretty good decision for him. So, um, not that necessarily this guy is as talented as Nate Robinson, because Nate Robinson's one of the best, you know, high school basketball players I've ever seen. But um, you know, just basketball players tend to really love the game. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up basing his decision uh primarily on maybe his best option for basketball. And, you know, I wonder if he's already got a scholarship offer in football from Oklahoma. Um, I do wonder if, you know, like like at a football factory like that, if um, if they're as willing to, uh, you know, give give as much. Uh, I don't know if I, I'm kind of searching for the right word here, but but really just kind of give them as much latitude um, mm-hmm. with basketball, you know, as uh, you know, as WSU might particularly a guy like Nick Rolovich seems maybe a little more open to that than than maybe Mike Leach would have been so. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, that's all a very, very, very long-winded way to say. I, I think we've probably got as good a shot as anybody, you know, being in early and um, having some personalities like Kyle Smith and, and Nick Rolovich, I think, you know, can only work to our benefit. If he decides, you know, football is really his future, then, yeah, then maybe he goes somewhere else. But, um, you know, if he go, wants to go somewhere where he's going to get a legit shot to really um, just kind of dive into both, you know, I think WSU is obviously as good a place as any, and I'm sure Kyle Smith and, and uh, Jake Dickert are telling him that as often as possible. Yeah, so hopefully hopefully he uh, is wearing the Crimson and, Gar- Crimson and Gray come 2021. 
Yeah, we'll have to wait until uh, I think he can. He could sign a letter of intent in basketball in November, I think. So we'll have to wait until at least November. Yeah. What will we do until then? I don't, I, even know. I don't know. We may we'll find just, some things to talk about between now and then. I, I don't know. I'm not I, sure. I, this this is Roland's Kabange cast. Um, yeah. We only talk. And my about guess Nathan is he probably. He probably had zero sense of <laughs> what what his football recruitment would end up becoming, uh, you know, having never played football before. So, you know, and good for him. Enjoy it. Suddenly and he finds check it himself out. playing what has become the most valuable position <laughs> right? In, uh, <laughs> outside of quarterback in, yeah. in football. Uh, uh, a quick as... a quick note, by the way, is that if Oregon Oregon has hired uh, hired somebody from his school. And so if Oregon wants to recruit him, they have to get a waiver from the NCAA. It's the rules there are different for football than they are for basketball. Cause like you've probably, most people have probably heard of, uh, for example, you know, the Michael Porter situation, right. At Washington right. where, you know, they hired his dad and then, you know, the Porters come and, you know, play at Garfield and, or Nathan Hale or whatever, Nathan Hale, right. Uh, played at Nathan Hale and, and then we're going to go to UW and then didn't or whatever. But, um, but the rules are different in football, and uh, they'd have to get a waiver in order to recruit him, which, you know, my guess is they probably would apply for it and probably will get it. But uh, but it is a little more complicated than just being like, hey, why doesn't he just stay home and play for Oregon? So for whatever that's worth. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We got anything else? Um. I don't know. Sad buff emojis. Sad oh yeah, emojis. yeah. We should talk about that. Um, Carl so, Durrell, the the original Bruins Nation whipping boy. Carl <laughs> well, other than Dan Guerrero, but yes. Well, I mean, yeah. In terms of coaches, in terms of coaches, for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I don't, I don't think they were complaining about Howland quite yet by then. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, Carl Durrell, who hasn't coached since what two thousand and seven? Has it been that long? Uh, it's been a while. <laughs> he was okay, he now was UCLA's look this up. coach. He he was UCLA's coach when I was in Pullman. Wow! Um, I didn't. Yeah, two thousand three, two thousand seven, and I don't think he's wow. had. He hasn't had a head coaching job since then. Holy cow! And that's mostly, amazing. Mostly been in the NFL. Yeah. One year um, at Vanderbilt, and then everything else in the NFL, and not really a yeah Miami, a Houston, Jets, Miami Mostly positional, again. yeah positional coaching, wow positions, um, yeah I don't know um, this obviously uh, Colorado was put in a, a unique and difficult position um, with uh, uh, with uh, what the fuck is his name <laughs> <laughs> Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker, Bolting thank you. For, I kept, uh, dude, okay. Embry was, Embry was floating he was, in my head yeah, and he it was wouldn't get out. He was before um, McIntyre. So uh, with Mel, with Mel Tucker, um, the latest of latest tires, obviously, because Michigan State was put in a weird position. Right. Um, and probably got a pretty good guy, honestly. Um, it, it, you know, in terms maybe? of like a young guy, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it's more of a hire that you could be like, okay, this could be fine. But when you, when I mean, you you're, you're guy, basically hoping for that Nick Saban magic space dust. To, yeah. And he's know. still young and he, you know, whatever. But when you get a guy like Darrell 
who's not that old in terms of head coaching. He's 57, but he's he has he has not coached been a head coach for a program in 13 years. Yeah. Um, I just had wasn't it, my mind wasn't is in, blown right now. Like I had no like idea. Had had one good season, but wasn't particularly. Um, I mean, UCLA like UCLA fans think he wasn't good. Um, they think a lot higher of their football program probably than than what anybody their football is <laughs> than um, anyone on the planet. They, they think that they should be basically one A to USC's one. Um, but uh, they aren't, and uh, they've never rarely been. Uh, but so he went thirty-five and twenty-seven. You know, not terrible. He had a ten-win season, won Pac-12 Coach of the Year once. So like, you know the the uh, the the credentials aren't terrible, but it's also thirteen years ago. <laughs> and, uh, well, it's like imagine um, okay, two thousand three to two thousand seven. That's when Bill Doba was our coach. The yep. same years, pretty much. And he lost to Bill Doba multiple times. Holy shit. Like, that's, can you imagine, like, I, I know Bill Doba's, like, really old, but, I mean, can you imagine, like. Yeah, Bill Doba was older wild. than Durrell is now when he was of our course. coach. <laughs> of course. I just mean, like, you know, to be like, Bill Doba got fired and then, like, now he's resurfacing. You know what I mean? Like, just that long without being in charge of a program is, um, that's really something. Also, kind of crazy. Durrell was super young. <laughs> he was. He, got he was really, job. really young. He was. He was forty when he got that job. Yeah. Like, that's. I mean, obviously, and now that's less weird. But back then, it was pretty weird. Yeah, I mean, that's how old um, Rolovich is. Yeah, that's true. That is true. I guess it's not that weird. But it yeah. is his second job, so for whatever that's worth. And Doba is seventy nine now. So yeah, he was. <laughs> so yeah, Doba was sixty two. Yeah. When he started coaching WSU and Durrell right now is 57. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Like I, I, I did not expect them to hire anyone. I thought they would just go interim. Like, yeah. I, I mean, it's a weird deal. Like, like I get not wanting to go that route. Um, because you, you, you maybe run the risk of losing, you know, half your recruiting class and, so like I I mean I kind of understand not wanting to do that, um, but at the same time it's also like, I mean, geez, I, how did you find this? Yeah, guy? how did you land on Carl Durrell? I, I mean, look, he must have a very good agent, you know. If I <laughs> if I'm a coach, and I'm a little even un like slightly how, unhappy with my agent, I'm like, how, how pissed is Jim Mora? Right I'm now? like, who the fuck is Carl Durrell's agent? I want that guy, you know. Uh, you know if 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 I. You know, I wouldn't have been surprised if it was uh, Colorado hires former fired UCLA head coach, and it was Jim. Right, Mora. it was Jim Mora, but but, but it's but it's Carl Durrell. And, no, and, like, and that should tell you something about the stink that Jim Mora cannot wash off. Like, which nobody will about. touch him, which makes all that Coug fan stuff about Jim Mora all the more hilarious. But uh, yeah, I, you know, I'm I'm not. I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to completely pan this thing yet. Um, you know, you mentioned that he was really young the first time around. And I think, I think people can learn, you know, yeah. I, I do believe that people can grow. Um, I do believe that they can figure some things out. Um, and he was, it's not like he was an abject failure at UCLA. Exactly. You know, you kind of mentioned that. I mean, he, he wasn't great. He definitely wasn't great, but you know, five bowl games, 
500 or better record every year in the conference. Um, you know, never finished, you know, worse than fifth in the conference. And that was back before the pack 12. So we're talking pack 10, uh, you know, finished fifth, fifth, third, fourth, fourth in his five years. So, uh, you know, granted, which I think not, not finishing higher than third was his old, what spelled like, sure. was what, Especially for UCLA fans. And I get it. I mean, he was not, and I'm not saying, you know, UCLA was wrong to fire him or something. I mean, you know, granted, you know, if you're UCLA and we, we want to do better than that. Okay, great. You know, whatever. But, um, you know, he wasn't horrendous down there. Uh, you know, I certainly think he put together a better run than Jim Mora did. Uh, So a year younger than Jim Mora. Yeah. So, you know, and then he spent a bunch of time, you know, now he spent a bunch of time kicking around the NFL working for, now I don't, I don't know, uh, you know, I don't know that he's worked under the best coaches, uh, in that right. time. So I don't, you know, maybe, I mean, I'm not sure how much he learned from, you know, working with these, these different coaches, but, um, you know, he's, he's worked with enough guys around the NFL that, uh, he's probably picked up a trick or two along the way and, you know, maybe it won't be a disaster. I don't know. I mean, it, I'm, I'm definitely curious. Um, and, and I will say, you know, that and I know this always rankles some people, but um, I will say, you know, I'm glad if, if, if a school is going to go for a retread, um, you know, let's go for an African-American retread, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, get some of that uh, diversity back in the Pac-12. Um, I think that's, you know, Colorado, well, Colorado lost straight. an African-American coach and yeah. brought in one. And, and so I think that's three think consecutive that's African-American coaches when almost no one is hiring African-American coaches. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's that's that is a good thing. Um, you know, and again, sometimes people bristle at that idea. But, um, you know, I really think there's there's value in diversity. And so, well, so I'm glad they went that know, direction. Yeah. Maybe there's a chance that a guy like Carl Durrell if he was a white guy would have had a head coaching opportunity again. Yeah. I think, I think that's an entirely, I think that's an entirely fair assessment, you know, because it's not like he was, you know, like we said, it's not like he was horrendous. Uh, It's not like it was a total, total, total train wreck. Um, You know, he was okay. Just not up to what, you know, UCLA would want. And typically guys like that get another shot. So, you know, good for him. Uh, He's not in the North. So I hope he has great success. Yep. Colorado. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Like, and, Colorado is. You know, go for it, buddy. Colorado is not a very hateable school. No. You know, I, I like them. I, no. I like to go Boulder's to a beautiful school. place. And... Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, just lose to WSU every time you play WSU. I'll yep. be fine. Keep doing that, and we'll be, we'll be good. All right, man. Um, yeah. So, uh, that's uh that's pretty much it that's all we got yeah i think um, we've run out of things to talk about yeah uh we're canceling the podcast it's over we're done that's it we've talked about everything there is yep uh but uh <laughs> if you uh if you don't believe me feel free to subscribe no uh, we'll probably be back next week probably probably um uh if you uh if you do are already subscribed, um, feel free to give us that five star rating. Leave us a little review that helps other people find us on their uh, podcast machines. And uh, um, yeah, uh, follow me on Twitter at the Craig Powers. Follow Jeff. It's 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 Jeff at, at Pod versus Everyone. Pretty much um, for all your hot takes that you need. Um, That's right. Including all your political hot takes. 
Yep. I get criticized for that sometimes. Don't care. Yeah. 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 Whatever. We started this thing talking about politics, so. We did, because we uh, honestly thought we wouldn't have anything else to talk about, and it turned out we had plenty <laughs> like, of hey, stuff let's talk to about, talk about. Yeah, we'll talk some cougs, but there won't be much to talk about, so let's talk about politics. But here we are, 72 episodes in, and we've learned we've evolved. <laughs> We're giving we've people learned, what they want. Man, we could talk cougs all day, so... You know, whatever I do. I, 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 you know, I've definitely heard the complaints like when we were doing the politics, like, ah, I wish, but then I get the occasional like, oh, I liked when you guys are talking about politics. Like, it's like, well, I think we're, I, I think it's going to be a bit unavoidable in the next uh, six months at some point. So, yeah, or maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Got it. I hope not. We'll talk soccer. Um, too. You know, we could talk all kinds of things. We could. Hopefully Cougar Sports is interesting enough. Um That's the hope. Maybe baseball yeah. will give us something interesting. They're not scoring a lot of runs right now though. They had a real they had a real nice win uh on Sunday. They, they did, had a little comeback against Hawaii. A little comeback. Yeah. But, uh like we said, uh WC teams never score runs early <laughs> in the season. That's true. That's true. All right, man. Well, all right. Have a good night. Go Go Cougs. Cougs.